Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and M.B. Murder in the Black. It is your host, Steph. And I'm MD. And today our case is entitled, Can't Expect You from Others. Hmm. So, that's yeah. an interesting title. That is an interesting title. Mm-hmm. I think this case is definitely interesting, as all the cases are. I feel like I say that. Right. <laughs> like, this is an interesting case, guys. But seriously, I think this case definitely paints a picture that you don't really know everybody or you know you think you may know somebody and you really don't Mm -hmm. or you just can't expect your behavior what you would do because everybody you know if that was me right I think that's that's we say that a lot right like if it couldn't be me that's one of the (laughs) Mm -hmm. couldn't be me couldn't be me but it's not you right like we all have things that motivate us and cause us to make certain decisions so Let's jump into this case. So grab your coffee if it's the morning or your wine if it's the evening. But either way, let's get into it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Yes, yeah, so today's case is another. If you listen to us last week, we featured a case that was um, on Discovery ID. It's called A Murder Under the Friday Night Lights. So, definitely encourage you guys to go check this episode out. Yeah, season two, episode one. Listen, guys, this this series, it had me by a chokehold. Yeah, that's true. it's really good. It's really good. I mean, you can just find yourself just, you'll binge season one in a heartbeat, and then, you know, you'll not want to get up for season two. Right, right. So that's exactly what happened with this. <clears throat> so our case comes out of Clear Lake City, Texas, which is in the greater Houston area. So on September 9th, 2016, um, there was a game that was taking place at a local high school there where our coach that we're going to be talking about, Kevin Roman, was expected to show up, but he didn't. And, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, I always know where this person is. I can predict their behavior, and it's true. Like, there are certain people you can always just count on them to show up and support, and if they don't, there is more than likely something wrong. And that was the case for Kevin Roman. He was very predictable in his behavior, especially when it came to supporting his high school students. So on September 1st, his friend LD um, said that they were discussing the Labor Day weekend, and shout out to me because, yep, and I said shout out to me because <laughs> September 4th is my birthday. So hey. that's, that's right around my birthday. birthday is Labor Day. Girl. 
So it was Labor Day weekend. Everybody's planning what they're going to do. So LD and Kevin were doing the same thing. And they were supposed to meet up. They were supposed to meet up and hang out. And and Kevin told him, I'll, I'll link back up with you, bro. Like, we'll, we'll link back up and figure something out. But he never heard from him. So once again, he's missing in action. So it was super strange. So LD decided he would go by his house and just check on him, which I have to say, I've said this before in our other cases. Um, I just think any friend that would get up and go check on you is a good friend. They have to be because, you know, a lot of people just typically say, oh, well, I guess they're going to holler at me whenever they get a chance. And, you know, and sometimes it's, I just think this is the type of friend that takes the extra step, right? This is the type of friend that is an is an action, is a doer. You know, you just have those friends that you know they're not going to let you ghost them. They're not going to let you go quiet on them. And you often hear in these cases, right, that I did think it was strange. I you noticed that I didn't talk to that person or... Yeah, I did notice that they went MIA. And that's the end. Like, that's the end of their thought. You know, like, they don't take the extra step. Know that if you go missing, Steph, I'm showing up. I mean, well, yeah. I'm yeah. knocking on doors. Yeah, you're, and I you're mean, my I sister have, in real life, too. Right, I am. But also, I think I'm that type of friend in my friends' lives that if they go missing, you know, and I'll send a text and mm-hmm. say, listen, you have so many more hours before I'm about to come knock on your door. So you may want to respond because yeah. I'm about to come knock on your door. Yeah. So I, And I just think that you have people that are just more apt to do that than others. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> but I think it goes to, to show you for our listeners that if you do have that thought and a friend is not doing their usual behavior, it doesn't necessarily mean something bad has happened. But I do think it's important to take that necessary step so that on the other side, whether it was very serious or not, you could at least say, well, I checked. Absolutely. I did. You know, Absolutely. I just drove by. And sometimes you know? it, it may not be serious like death, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like I'm emotionally checked out and I need support. And I don't necessarily need you to come talk me out of how I feel, but I need you to sit with me. Or maybe just knowing that you came by, knocked on the door, will give me, you know, the courage to keep pushing through or whatever it may be. You know, so I think you're right. You mm-hmm. Show up. Go knock on the And it, it is an inconvenience. And I think we get in the busyness of our lives mm-hmm. and say, man, like, she lives all the way. You know, oh, this is really going to take me out my comfort zone to do this. But it's worth it. I've never done it, and it wasn't worth it. Oh, yeah. You know? For sure. For sure. I'm actually doing that for one of my best friends this week. Actually going out to Houston because I'm like, girl, let me just check on I just need so, to put eyes on you right yeah, now. Let yeah. Let me just do that. Exactly. So that's what LD decided to do. He got up. He drove across town. It was a very sunny day. Um, and he turned down Kevin Street. And he just, he said it just, all of a sudden just felt different. It was gloomy. And I thought that was really just, interesting that yeah. he said that. Because I think... <laughs> You know, when you remember these pivotal moments in your lives, our senses are usually what we remember. When somebody describes to you an event, they oftentimes will use one of the senses to describe it. And so for him, it was his sight. I mean, you know, the fact that he was, it was not a cloud in the sky, I think is what he said. Like, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And then I turned down his street and it's just like, all of a sudden it got dark. Yeah. You know, it became gloomy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so he arrived at his home and he didn't see his truck, but his front door was closed. Like there's an iron gate um, that was closed, but his actual front door was open. And so he noticed that and he was like, mm, something's not right. So he pulled on the iron gate. But and you know, before walks, he did that stuff, I wanna, uh-huh. he noticed another sense. What yeah, was it was a smell. Like it was a smell as he was as he pulled the iron gate to walk into his door. He smelled decomposition, and um, I think it's interesting because we often hear uh, police talk about how that that's an overwhelming smell. You'll never forget it, but you expect to hear that from police officers, right? Because they at some point, you know, unfortunately experienced that. But LD wasn't a police officer. He just was a regular person, but still that very strong odor of just death death and he didn't know it was death he didn't articulate it like it was death but he knew that it was it was foul Mm -hmm. like and so like usually when police officers talk about it they they know what it is like it was the it was the smell of death we know we they get out and they automatically know they're walking into a, a murder scene because they smell it whereas with ld it was just it's 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 pungent it stinks right and so he doesn't make it all the way into the house because for him it was like okay something's not right just mm-mm, something's not right so he calls 911 they dispatch officers out to the location um and they start to check on what was going on so before we kind of get into the investigation on what ultimately happened to Kevin, I want to tell you a little bit about who Kevin was. Kevin was born and raised in Tala. I'm, I'm saying Tala, but I believe it's like Tulu. I think it's Tulu. It's mm-hmm. Tulu. <clears throat> Tulu, Louisiana. So he was a country boy at heart. Kevin was extremely giving. His father was a pastor. He was rooted and grounded in the word of God. Um, his family just, they provided him a solid foundation. I think it's relatable for me because uh, both MD and I are are raised by a pastor. And I think when you have that foundation, it can set you upon a good path, at least initially, right? I mean, everybody who has a preacher's dad doesn't necessarily go down the right path. So I don't want to act like that's a stereotype. But I do relate to Kevin in the way that he was, you know, rooted and grounded in the word of God. And his father said that he just, he loved to help others. Like he had a really, he had a heart for people. And he mentioned that in his childhood, he was bullied by people in his youth. But for him, that didn't, you know, I think there's either two responses. Either you can go inward and, you know, just kind of close yourself off like a clam, or it can fuel you to be like, I'm going to make sure I get revenge on y'all in the sense that, I become a better person. Right. I'm going to show you better than I can. <clears throat> I can show you better than I can tell you. Yeah. And so that's exactly what he did. He, um, it just fueled his desire to be competitive. And after he got out of college, he decided because he did have a such, a such a giving heart that he would become a high school football coach. And when I tell you people at his high school absolutely loved him and he changed lives, which I think... I just want to highlight that it's important that we get people who do love to help others, who do like to like nurture the youth. It's so important for them to go into teaching fields because you're literally nurturing, as cliche as it is, you're you're nurturing the future. Seriously, and and you change that, lives absolutely. And the way that his students 
talked about him, you could just you could just see it. It just it ex- it radiated from them, like just their love and at, you know. I think one guy was even saying like I can still hear him saying you know whatever that saying was like it, and I I think wow we all have at least one teacher or one coach or I, I don't want to say we all because that's not fair but I think most of us have at least one teacher, one coach that we can, you know, point to and say, they made a difference in my life. They showed up in such a profound way that it made me X, mm-hmm. you know, it made me, and it leaves a lasting impression on that individual. It either propels them to go into a certain field or it gives them the courage to know that they can do whatever it is that they're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly how it was for him. And he really kind of was setting himself up to be on the path of becoming a college football coach. That's what he that was his ultimate goal. So back to the investigation, according to the police officers, they received a phone call at September 10th in response to a 911 call to go to Kevin's residence. Houston Fire Department arrived and forced entry. <clears throat> the living room was chaotic. Like it just it seemed like someone had been there already. And everything was kind of everywhere throughout the living room. Items were around. Would and you we, say that they felt mm-hmm. like there was a burglary that took place or did was it just Well, in it was cha- it was in disarray more than anything else because that I mean just their initial coming into the residence, right? So food was laying around. It seemed like someone had been there and maybe they were a little messy. Got it. Right. So uh, they go through the residence and they go to the back and they find a black male laying down on the bed and he's decomposing. He was murdered. And so they see gunshots, wounds to this to this man's head. Um, and then they couldn't really tell, like, he was in. He was so much decomposing that they couldn't even really tell who he so was. So it was advanced decomposition. Advanced and decomposition. And they weren't even able to identify if this was Kevin or the owner of the house. Right. Got it. And so that's when they go outside and talk to LD. And they say, hey, man, do you have a picture of your said mm-hmm. friend? And, of course, he pulls out his phone, and then that's when they're able to positively identify that it is Kevin. So, I mean, you can imagine, right? Like, you're, you haven't heard from your friend. Don't really know what that means. You're hoping for the best that he's just at home and, I don't know, anything happened but death, right? So, you come to his residence, call the police. They come out. They go and analyze things, and they come outside, and they say, hey, let me see a picture of your friend. Like, there's somebody in there. Right, because you don't need to see a picture of my friend if my friend is alive and talking. Exactly. So his friend was devastated, and this was his, not just his best friend, this was his frat brother. They were a part of Alpha Phi Alpha Incorporated, and they were just, they had done life together like as far as college and into adult years and he was absolutely devastated and like most people say in these cases they're like oh my goodness who would want to kill Kevin 
And I always say, like, as I'm watching a case or I'm listening to a case on a podcast or whatever the case is, I'm like, somebody. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> like, I hate, you know, I'm not trying to bring light to this. But you hear it so much in cases that it's like, yeah, somebody. It was somebody that did not like him mm-hmm. or her. And they decided that it was worth it for them to commit this heinous act. So the crime scene techs come in. They, you know, gather all the evidence. They find forty-five caliber, uh, a forty-five caliber shell casings on the floor. So that's a, you know, they believe that it's a forty-five caliber gun. Um, they collect DNA evidence, which at the time was a D, uh, was which was a toothbrush, drinking glass. There were cigarette butts. Um, women, women's clothing were observed in the home, so they collected that as well. Now, the there were, you know, as often it is, there are, um, you know, rumblings in the neighborhood when police pull up, right? They, you know, people are outside being the nosy neighbor, being, being me, because that's who I am. You know, and I may not be outside, but I definitely am going to post up somewhere in, like, where I have full access through a window. Oh, yeah, I got to be outside. Because if you were outside, you would have heard the whispers and the rumors that Kevin's vehicle was was missing as well. So people are just like, Kevin's known to have women come in and out of his house. Like, was it a scorned lover? Who did this? Like, you know, so everybody in the neighborhood is trying to figure out what happened. He had been shot a total of seven times. Two times at the base of his neck, and um, then there was a kill shot. Okay, so there was a this was a crime of passion. It was actually like pretty legit for the neighbors to be like, I could have been a scorned lover because you know when you kill that a kill person that many times, my God, I mean kill a person. It only takes one, but like true, but shoot a person, right? And you're implementing that level of like violence, like why? It really points to somebody you know. I, more often than not, I think, based on just my love of true crime and being a junkie of all things true crime, it often points to somebody you know. Nope, a person that does not know you, that is a stranger, that is breaking into your house, you happen to be there and you weren't supposed to be. They're not trying to shoot you seven times. They're trying to shoot you one good time mm-hmm. and they're trying to get out. They're trying to right, leave. Right, they're trying to leave. So they because might not even be trying to kill you. to be there. Right. right. But somebody who, I'm mad, I'm angry. So this hopefully gives the police some, some guidance on where to look. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it did. But to circle back around, as we said previously, he was a high school coach at Clear Lake Christian High School. And when that news got around the community, those lives that he affected touched they were devastated and they grieved his loss so hard. And it was so important for the community and the high school students that a lot of them were like, we're going to change our picture to. On social media, on, on Facebook, social media, Facebook, we're going to change our Facebook profile to 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 coach because until his killer is found, until we find out who this is. We we're you know we're we just gonna, gonna honor bring him awareness in that way. yes right. and bring awareness and so that's exactly what they did but they had no idea during that time that it would take as long as it did to finally get justice for him so, so Steph you named all the things that the police were able to identify and collect 
did they collect his car? Like, where, what, what? No, so they were in the process of finding his car because they had no idea where his car was. That's right, because you said the LD pulled up and the car wasn't there. Right. But the door was open, which is what made LD think that he must, maybe he was at home. Right. Okay, got it. So, that's that's essentially what happened. Um, but to kind of just tell you a little bit about what was going on in his life at the time. So, he was a coach at Clear Lake Christian High School. Everything was going on, well, everything was going well there, right? But he wasn't renewed to coach another year. So the the game that he was expected to come to on September 9th, he wasn't coaching at that game. Oh, he, he was, was simply in the stand. Right. He was simply coming to support his players mm-hmm. from the previous year. And there wasn't like necessarily a ba- he wasn't fired for a bad reason. He was he wasn't renewed because there was a new coaching staff that came in and brought their own coaches. You know, and so because of that, he simply wasn't renewed. And he went on to go get another job uh, within the community at Kip Academy. But he loved Clear Lake. Yes, he absolutely loved Clear Lake. It was he was heartbroken that he wasn't able to come back and coach, but he was very supportive and still very much around, which is why they missed his presence on September 9th. So this is like some things that the police can look at. Like they see seven shot seven times. Okay, maybe this is a crime of passion, somebody he knows, and they're investigating like what was the circumstances going on in his life at the time, and he had lost his job. Maybe there's some bad blood. Maybe, you know. Maybe there's a scorned lover. These right. are all possible, you know, pathways to looking. find out. Yeah, so. Well, LD had. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At the unfortunate, um, job to notify his sister Kevin's sister and father that Kevin was deceased and as most family would be Kevin's sister and father were distraught and when you lose a loved one you recall those last moments you spoke with them saw them hung out with them and that was all his father could think of when he learned of the death What's more is they weren't even in the same state as Kevin, so they had to receive most of their information from friends and family that lived close to Kevin because they were in Louisiana, and Kevin, again, was in Houston. So friends and family reported back to his sister and father that the landlord was acting very suspicious. Within just a few short days after his body was discovered, The landlord was clearing out Kevin's belongings and making preparations to make the home available to rent out to another tenant. And they were like, what is that about? The police questioned the landlord because they brought these friends and family brought that to the attention of the police. And so the police questioned the landlord and learned that Kevin was having financial problems. He was behind on rent. And this is what motivated the landlord to move quickly to try to rent out the home so that he could get somebody else in there to pay this money that he not only was not going to receive from Kevin because now Kevin was dead, but even that back rent that Kevin had not paid. Sure. 
So the police kind of ruled him out as a suspect because they felt he had no real motive to kill Kevin now. And I say real motive because, I mean, that's, you know, oftentimes it doesn't have to be this big, huge, oh, yes, I would kill for that. Like, you people kill for less, right? Mm -hmm. So, but what the police did learn from the landlord is that Kevin had a number of women coming in and out of his home. This lined up with what the police found in Kevin's home. Because remember, Steph talked about how the police collected women's clothing that was found in the home. So the police are tracking this this line of thought that maybe, again, this is possibly a scorned lover. Maybe here there is multiple women. So we got to figure out who are these women. And as with any investigation into the murder of a person, the police must do their best to not only identify a motive as to why the victim was killed, but who the victim is. And what they discovered was that Kevin was a ladies' man. Mm. And I say that loosely because I want to say he was a player, but I don't know, you know, depending on your, your definition, he had, was entertaining a lot of women. He was in he was in an entanglement with a lot. <laughs> Entanglements. Entanglements. His friend L D stated on the documentary that we watched that he knew that, that Kevin was dating a lot of women. And he, you know, even said that that wasn't a problem for him. And he would tell Kevin, it's not a big deal so long as you're being honest with everybody. And I'm going to stop right here. Stop I was just going to stop, stop right? you. Don't worry, friend. Don't worry, sis. I got you. I'm stopping right here because I want to discuss this. Do you think it's a problem if you're, if, if, if as long as you're being honest, is it a problem or not? Okay. I do think there is value in being honest, right? So we cannot negate the fact that honesty is the best policy. <laughs> but... Just because you're honest doesn't mean that that's going to guarantee that that woman is going to be okay with whatever it is that you have to say. Or she's going to be okay with the arrangement. Right. And I guess, you know, it's playing devil's advocate here because I I line up with you in my train of thought. But playing devil's advocate, that's precisely the reason why you need to be honest. Right. I'm telling you that you're not the only one that I'm dating multiple women. And so if you don't like that, that's fine. You can exit stage right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It gives the woman an opportunity to leave, which is fair. I, th- I do think you should give them um, an option. Right. But that does not guarantee because I think a lot of men and, and you can, you know, we're going to do a poll on this. But I think a lot of men feel like, well, I'm honest. I gave you an opportunity to leave. You stay. Joke's on you. Ha, ha, ha. But that doesn't guarantee that she's going to be okay with it. She might be okay with it in that moment. But that doesn't guarantee safety. That she'll <laughs> remain being okay and that she won't go to drastic lengths to show you that she's not okay with that. Right, and I just think that really, for me, we need, you should be honest. And in the dating world, I think it is okay when you're, you're just in the preliminary stages, right? Like I'm getting to know you, like maybe having, like if you're, you know, you go on one date with girl A and you go on one date with girl B and you go on one date with girl C and you're just trying to 
figure out who do I like? You know, I don't even really know. But at some point along that line, like, you know, date four, five, you know, and even sometimes date one, you're really able to identify, especially the older we get. This is not, we don't have a connection or we, I like you, but I I can't see this progressing past this first date or this second date. Mm -hmm. I think the difference, you know, with, with Kevin is that he was not just entertaining women past like uh, like the preliminary stages of who are you do we we vibe can we make this work it it was I'm going into those deeper intimate connections where I don't care how honest you are with the person the connection that happens and the intimacy that you're sharing is going to cause friction absolutely so it's to me, it's a dangerous game that you're playing when you start start entertaining multiple women or multiple people. It doesn't even just have to be women, just multiple people in general. You're playing a very dangerous game, whether you lying about it like Jody and Baby Boy <laughs> or you're being honest like Kevin. Right. So, absolutely. Well, back to the story. One day when Davis was with Kevin, LD, I'm sorry, his name, his last name is, is Davis. Well, one day when LD was with Kevin, Kevin's phone just continued to blow up. It was ringing. Text messages were coming in constantly. And LD thought that this was strange. And, you know, he's looking at Kevin, like, answer the phone. And Kevin is getting frustrated because his phone is co- consistently being blown up. Kevin finally answered the phone and explained to the caller that he was with his frat and he would call them back later. Kev hangs up and complains to LD that this was a woman that lived in, you know, lived around the neighborhood and she was getting on his nerves. And L- and and at this point LD says to Kevin, "You if this guy if this girl is crazy, you need to move away from her. You need to move around." Right? So, fast forward, police continue to investigate the many different avenues of where and how and who, right? And they interview a guy named Chad who tells the police about a woman named Fila who Kevin was involved with. Mm -hmm. He stated that he'd seen her driving Kev's car sometimes and it seemed that Kev and, and Fila had some sort of relationship, but he wasn't sure on the particulars or maybe he didn't even really know, but you know, you may want to put your eyes on this girl. Think about this girl. This may be somebody of interest. So the police learned that Fila had posted on Facebook that she was mad because a guy owed her money. And in that post, she asked, what What should I do if a person owes me money and hasn't paid it back? Now, interestingly enough, she tags Kevin in this post. And so the police are like, okay, this may be a lead. This may be something we really need to to trace down. But after Kevin was found dead, she deleted the post. Or I won't even say that she deleted it. The post was deleted. So, you know, this really piques the, the um, investigators' interest. They're really trying to figure this out. But what they learned is that Fila was actually incarcerated at the time of the murder. So they, they kind of rule her out. Right. But let me just say this and I'm just going to make this note and I'm going to quickly keep going. What you post on the Internet is always recoverable. 
Yeah, it doesn't go away. It does not go away because you delete it. Your digital footprint is permanent. So be thoughtful and mindful about what you're posting. I'm, I'm just saying, when you want to vent, call your friend. Call your friend. So the police receive, so that, you know, they trace that lead all the way down to where it seems like it's a closed door. And then now they're having to go to another place. So they receive an anonymous tip around this time that Kevin was involved with participating in a swingers lifestyle. Now, this was so contradictory to the Kevin that so many people knew, I mean, including LD. He worked at this Christian school. He poured into these kids. Like They were like, this is not the LD that we know. But although this tip came in, police were never able to fully substantiate that he was in a swingers lifestyle. But they did pretty much piece together that he was dating multiple people at the time. So, And he was in places that did engage in a swingers lifestyle. So meaning like he may have been at a party that had swingers at the party. But again, they weren't able to substantiate that he was in this swingers lifestyle, but they were able to say that, yeah, he's dating multiple people. So they bring in LD, they bring him back in. And they start to show, they're trying to ask LD about all this new information. And LD's like, I, I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy that you're, that you're presenting to me. So the police circle back to the last place that Kevin was seen alive, which was Tailgater's Bar and Grill. And a woman named Kiki Lachey continued to surface around this bar. Like, people cont- were constantly talking about this. Well, Kiki Lachey, and he was with this girl named Kiki Lachey. But police were never able to identify who this woman was. And, and they actually believed that it was just an online handle that a person used. And they weren't able to connect her or who this person was with Kevin. So that kind of went you know, just it fizzled out. It fizzled out. It just came to a dead end. So they bring in LD again, <laughs> and they're trying to show pictures. Like, do you know this girl? Do you know this woman? This is a woman he was involved with. Do you know her? And LD is just like, I don't know <laughs> any of these women. And it turns out that he just is not helpful in this way because he doesn't know this side of Kevin. Right. And and I think that brings us to like a point about friendship and how it can look so drastically different in adulthood than what it does like in early childhood childhood or even as a young adult. And, you know, my question to you, Steph, is do you ever fully know a person? You don't. You don't. And I think that can be hard to believe for many people uh, because they think of years invested inside of the relationship. But the truth is a person only reveals certain sides to you. You know, like I I would like to think that my sister knows me very well, but she doesn't know everything there is to know about me. Right. And there are things that like and part of it also is because I don't know myself. Definitely. I'm still learning that me, part. and I'm still uncovering certain things about myself. And then I'm trying to get comfortable with those things that I'm learning about myself. So I don't even know if I'm in a space to share it yet. And it's not about, I don't think this person will trust me with this. It's just, I'm trying to accept these things that I'm learning about myself and uncovering new truths about me. And I think sometimes even, because I think with LD, it was, but we were so close. We were, we were more than just friends we were more than just frat we were brothers like we did everything together right and 
Also, when you know that you've revealed so much of yourself to a person, you want to believe that that's being reciprocated. And I think that's also part of it is that you can be more open and transparent with a person than they are with you. And it really is not personal. You, you don't think that devalues the friendship at all? I absolutely think it devalues the friendship. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I don't think that it's personal to you as a person necessarily. It okay. can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. Maybe you're not creating a space where that person can be open. Right. Uh, but also, it could just be the demons that they're dealing with in their own life. Like, they're not in a space where it doesn't matter who you are, they can't share this part. They're so embarrassed. They're so sh- ashamed. They, they don't even want to be engaging in what they're engaging in or they don't even want to be doing what they're doing and so to have to admit to you that they're doing it makes it real yeah it's another layer right yeah and I think I I wanted to make sure that we talked about that because I think a lot of times people believe that friendship looks the same at different levels and it doesn't Right. I think in your childhood, you're like, I tell you all my secrets. You tell mm-hmm. me all your secrets and we never, ever like go away from this place that we're in. Right. And I think you grow and you recognize, OK, it's not that I can't trust you with my secrets. It's just I'm trying to learn who I am and build mm-hmm. healthy boundaries. And, you know, and then also it shifts like my husband knows me probably the best out of everybody in this world right now because he is my husband. Exactly. And he should know those parts mm-hmm. and those layers. And, and it doesn't. And in that case, just because it changes or it looks a little different and the support looks different or the telling looks different, it, some, it, it can devalue the relationship, but it doesn't have to. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the police, you know, they're, they are doing their best to try to prevent this case from going cold. But it, by the day, is seeming that every lead that they're getting is just resulting in a dead end. And so they remember that there's, I don't want to say that they remember because a lot of this that we're talking about is happening simultaneously. We're presenting it to you in a chronological order, but for them, you know, they're, they're tackling things simultaneously and they recognize that Kevin's vehicle is still missing. So they go to the dealership and they ask them to track the device in the car. And for most newer vehicles, if you don't know this, it has a built-in GPS. Like whether you access it or use it or not, it's there. And the dealership has access to to track it. Now, coming from a legal perspective, they can't just do this all willy-nilly just because. And, and the way that we're presenting it is like, the police just went to the dealership and and the dealership said, sure, let's track it. But really what what legally happened is the police had to get a subpoena and they had to serve that subpoena to the dealership and really not the dealership corp, the corporate. So if it's Toyota Motor, you know, America, they have to serve that to Toyota Motor and that le- the legal team at Toyota Motor will have to then receive that subpoena, make sure it checks all the that they're within their rights. Mm-hmm. and their legal capacity to release this information. And then they will go pull those records. Now, the records are there. They're stored, but Toyota will not. And I'm saying Toyota, but it could be any um, dealership. dealership or car car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It, you know, those records are there, and but they can't access those records without permission. They're your records because they're your vehicle, so you can't access them without proper permission the best way to think of it is like your cell phone Mm -hmm. right so your cell phone's being tracked and at any time 
AT&T can, can say, Maya is at X, Y, and Z, but they can't give that information out unless they have the legal rights to do so. So they, they were able to track this vehicle, uh, Kevin's vehicle, to a neighborhood, uh, I mean, not a neighborhood, but an apartment complex that was nearby. And inside his car, they found his phone. So, you know, it's like, yes, here's the phone. But bad news, the phone was smashed and they were unable to retrieve any information from this phone because of its condition. So the police processed the vehicle and they I always say they CSI the vehicle. They CSI this vehicle and they were unfortunately unable to find any additional evidence. So it really just became this dead end that looks like, you know, I'm sure when they discovered the vehicle and they found the phone, it's like, ding, 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 we're finally going to be able to, you know, get this case closed. But unfortunately, they were not able to. So while the police continued to try to move the investigation forward, Kevin's family was preparing for his funeral. And the funeral was extremely emotional because he was so loved by his family, friends, and the community. And unfortunately, after this funeral, the, co- the case goes cold. And the family and friends wonder, you know, are they going to keep this profile picture of Kevin up forever? Because is he going to get the justice that they, that he deserves? Right. And so that that's three years actually go by. And the thing about when time goes by in a lot of these cold cases that we talk about or when a case does go cold is that technology has a way of keeping up with things. And things that were three years just prior were unrecoverable on his cell phone is now recoverable. So that's a good thing. You know, we often think, God, me, the case went cold? How? Why? Well, that's simply because, you know, the leads, there were no no leads. So tech goes in, they process the phone, and they find out about this woman named LaQuinta Johnson. She actually lived just across the street from where the vehicle was found. So the vehicle was found at an apartment complex. Her house was a short distance across the street, right? Just a short distance away. And he had her stored. <laughs> this is so ghetto. He had her stored. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, y'all. He had her stored in his phone. He, meaning Kevin, had her stored through her physical features. Q, big booty, walking home. What? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I'm here for the let me store you under a name that I can remember you know, and like, even if it was like pretty eyes, hey, <laughs> no, because that's not the feature he's or like cute, Indeed. or even walking home, but big booty, big booty, Judy, big booty, cute, cute, big booty, Judy. Okay, so they met 23, like 23 days prior to his death. Um, and so that's how they met her walking down the street, <laughs> and she had a big booty. And she was cute. (laughs) Yeah. They were able to solidify that he was killed on September 4th because that's when all uh, cell phone services ceased on that So no more communication after September 4th. Right. So Mm -hmm. sadly, he was killed on my birthday. That's so sad. You know, people do die every day. Well, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Sadly, he was killed on September 4th. 
And LaQuinta had been in contact with not just him, but also her brother, Richard Gaines. And they look into Richard, and he's a gang member. He has quite a bit of a criminal history. And he had also recently been arrested around the time of uh, Kevin's death, September 12th. He had a 45 caliber gun, and LaQuinta had a previous charge for shooting an ex-boyfriend. So all of these things are start, starting to come together. Okay. Right, this is the kind of person that could possibly commit this kind of a crime. Right. So there was criminal history between um, both her and her brother. So they're looking at Richard and LaQuinta for possibly committing this murder. But what would be LaQuinta's motive? Because, okay, I mean, yeah, I don't want to be classified in anybody's phone as big booty walking down the street. But Cute. that's not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not necessarily a reason. Right, for sure. But as they continue to dig... They find that Richard Gang was actually pulled over, consented for a search, and the handgun was found in his car. So now the police can go. Girl, you telling me they didn't get rid of the gun? No, of course they did. I mean, they're not smart. <laughs> <laughs> these people are never smart in these cases. Isn't that like a theme y'all seen? Like, seriously. So he consented to the search, and he was put in jail. Then they arrest Kevin. Not Kevin, I'm sorry. But they arrest, yeah, they arrest Richard Gaines and LaQuinta for the murder of Kevin Roman, hoping to bring them in, interview them, get somebody to tell on the other, or they both tell on each other, whichever came first. Just come, just tell the truth. Right. So LaQuinta, LaQuinta goes ahead and she downplays the relationship and acts like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, we were together and I met him down the street, walking down the street. We spent time together. I was at his house, but we were nothing. Like, this was not even a big deal. She admits that she was with him on September 3rd, that she was actually at his house. So she makes herself one of the last people that's seen him. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, even though she's trying to actively downplay this relationship. And the police tell her, listen, we have your brother in jail right now. We found him with a gun. We know he did it. We know he did it. And so she initially, she thinks, okay, y'all are lying. Like, my brother is not arrested. Don't play with me. You know. (laughs) Don't play with me. Don't play with me. (laughs) Don't play with her. Okay? (laughs) And so they actually bring in a picture, his booking photo, and they show her, look, like, we have no reason to lie. We have your brother in custody. So she immediately starts crying. You can tell she has such a great fondness of her brother. She wants to protect her brother. She doesn't want her brother to go down for anything. Was she the oldest or the youngest? They didn't mention that. That would be interesting. It is not um, important to the case, guys, but I do believe in birth order. Yeah. So she really wanted to protect her brother. And that's when she reveals that her brother had nothing to do with it. And he didn't even give her the gun. He didn't deserve to be in jail. The forty-five caliber gun was hers. Mm. So they're trying to figure out, okay, since you got all this, I mean, you, tell you us confess. some more. Give tell us, us some more. Give us, t- why did you want to kill him? Because remember, right. you didn't even, it wasn't even like that with y'all. Right. So she initially claims that the reason why she killed Kevin was because her mother was dying and she wanted someone to feel pain. What? What? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, what? You confused? Yeah, me too. She claimed that her actions were heartless, claimed that, she, you know, he was always sweet to her, 
And she just decided that on September 3rd, she was going to stand over him. He was in the bed sleep. And she shot him in the head seven to eight times with her eyes closed. She stayed there like 10 to 15 minutes to make sure that he was dead. Um, he was dead, honey. You shot him seven, seven to times. eight times. What do you mean? I call cap. So, so I mean, I just am so confused because you, I get it. I can't even imagine my mother not being here, but Mm -hmm. wanting to inflict somebody else with pain and you randomly choose him. Right. Not somebody that has hurt you in the past. Like, and we've all been hurt by somebody, you know, you just keep living. You will be hurt by somebody. So nobody like that. Not that they deserve to be killed either, but just... Just this random guy who you had sex with, like you just, and he's always been kind and he was always nice and he was always loving to me. And I decided that I was going to inflict him with pain because my mother was dying. Right. It's Cap. But that was her first story. Okay. Oh, so there's another. There's one. another story. There's another story. So she did say in her interview that you can watch that she just wanted to let Kevin's family know that she was sorry and he absolutely didn't deserve it. She then went ahead and created a video for her brother telling him to reveal the truth, that he had nothing to do with it, that it was her that carried out the murder and she used the firearm that was used to kill Kevin. So, he was never charged with anything. She did not go to trial. She went ahead and just pled guilty and received a 45-year sentence. But on that uh, documentary or show that we're talking about, she is, producers speak to her on the county jail or on the prison phone. Because by now she's in prison. And she said that she liked him more than he liked her. And on September 3rd, she went through his phone and found women, countless amount of men, of women that he, he was speaking to and actively engaging in a relationship with. And because he didn't want to make it official, she was in a rage and shot him seven to eight times. And that is the true story. And, you know, I can get on board with that. I, I mean, I don't, it's not, it's, it's still horrendous. It's, it's completely unnecessary and absolutely undeserved that he would be killed for that. But I'm like, that's the kind of motive that I can get on board with. I can't get on board with I was mad at my... Like, how dare you even, like, put that on your mother? Yeah, it's such an insult. You know what I'm saying? Like, because what did you have to gain? At this point, you're going to jail. Right, you're... Like, nobody... You don't get a lighter sentence because mm -hmm. because you killed somebody because you were hurting. Right. You're still going to get... You are... Still going to get a, de- uh, not a death sentence, but you're still going to get the book thrown at you. Right. So just be honest at this point. As a matter of fact, I feel like you get more leniency with, with honesty. Right. You should just be honest because at this point you've inflicted so much pain on so many people that why are you even talking about your mama and downplaying this relationship? Big booty cue. That's cute. all I got to Big say. Big booty walking down the street. Cue. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. Well, that is our story, it friends. Is. I it hope is. that you enjoyed it. And now it's time for our favorite segment and yours too, The Takeaways. Yes. So, um, yeah, I just think for me, 
my takeaway is very short, sweet, and simple. And I think it's summed up in the title, which is you can't expect you from others. So simply because you might value honesty and you feel that if you're honest with women and or whomever you're in a relationship with, that you're in various entanglements and they can choose to exit or stay does not mean that they're going to be okay with that. And even if they're okay with that initially, doesn't mean that they'll stay okay with that as the relationship progresses and as it um, continues. Because how I may feel at the beginning is not necessarily how I feel at the end. And unfortunately, people kill for this type of stuff. So to me, it's just not even worth it to be in all these different entanglements um, because people are crazy. They're crazy right. when it's just one person, too. Right, and I think my takeaway is very similar to yours. Honestly, I don't think I would add much to it. The only thing that I think of when I hear these kinds of stories where it involves a black man who had multiple relationships with women and the woman snapped, I'm always thinking about my sons, and I'm like, I don't want this for them. They need to understand the importance of being, it's, yes, LDs, like you need to be honest, but it's more than just honesty. It's not getting involved in a deep, intimate relationship with multiple women because it is different than I'm getting to know somebody and then I decide, yeah, you're not the one I need. You are the one. You are who I want to be with. And being and if you're not in a place in your life where you're ready to settle down and you're ready to be committed, then don't engage like that. Like, you know, that's really don't operate. I told my son this morning, actually, on the way to school, your actions and your words must line up. So what you're telling me must also be what you're demonstrating because you cannot say one thing, but then act differently. And you can't act one way and then say something different. And so I think that that's so important when you look at this case because he may have been telling these girls one thing and then acting a different way. And even if he was being honest and saying, hey, like I'm talking to multiple women and you're not the only one, but I'm engaging with you in a way that makes you feel like I am the only one. And so although you may be feeling like I'm being honest and I'm being upfront and I'm being transparent with this person, what are your actions creating on the other side? Because regardless, are you creating hope? Are you creating an expectation that maybe we'll do we'll go somewhere at some point? And like you said, unfortunately, people kill for this kind of thing. And it's not worth it. Your life is not worth I want to be I just want to talk to multiple people. It's just not worth it. It's not. I totally agree with that. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this case, but on to announcements because we want to tell you guys that we are nearing the end of our third season here on Murder in the Black, and we um, actually have two more episodes that we'll be releasing, Um, a bonus episode from MD, and then just a regular case episode, but then we will like come together and actually do a live recording. Yes. And it's going to be a really unique live. And I don't even want to tell you guys about it, but we'll get a little, we'll tell you, we'll give you a little bit more tea 
as we get closer. But just know that you do not want to miss this. Yes. So you want to tune in. We'll drop the date and the time well in advance so you can plug it in. Make sure you got your wine with you and you close the door and you tell those kids, your husband or whoever it is. Forget them kids. Forget them kids and just listen in. <laughs> No, we we definitely want you to tune in to our season finale of season three. And we are so extremely grateful that you've tuned in this far. Yes, yes, yes. And so we will continue to have Storytime with Steph on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. So in the meantime, between time, make sure you check that out to keep getting your daily fix of Murder in the Black. We encourage you guys to listen to us and share us with your friends and family. So until next time, friends, this is MD and Steph. This is Murder in the Black. Bye.